This is Asasi Podcast, enabled by Asasi Radio. The following presentation was previously aired on Asasi Radio. And so joining us in the studio this morning uh, is the director of research at uh, the Institute of Economic Affairs, IEA, uh, Dr. John Kwamnakwachi, uh, a man who previously uh, also worked as the director uh, of research at the Institute for Financial Studies. Uh, prior to that, he was also advisor to the executive director of the International Monetary Fund in Washington, D.C., uh, served as an assistant director at the Bank of Ghana and a deputy director at the National Development Planning uh, Commission. Uh, Dr. Kwachi uh, holds a uh, PhD in economics uh, from the University of Reading uh, and also uh, a master's degree in economics from the University of Ghana. And he holds a um, university from Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology. Uh, he also has a qualifying uh, law uh, certificate in law as well as a, a, a bachelor's in physics. With more than uh, three decades of experience um, in in the e- development economics uh, space, um, he doesn't come uh, uh, as a small boy. Uh, a lot of experience, and uh, we're going to be uh, talking to him, trying to unpack where we're at and uh, how we can trace our way out of the woods. Uh, last week, he authored a piece that was published by the Business and Financial Times. I think it was on March 15. And uh, it says, adopt IMF-like measures to avoid going there. Uh, we'll be exploring that. And then we'll also bring in into the conversation uh, a lecturer at the University of Ghana Business uh, School or the University of Ghana Economics Department. Um, we have Edu. Dr. Edu Oususakodia will be joining us uh, in the conversation as well. But let me welcome our guest into the studio. Dr. Kwachi, good morning and good to see you. Good morning. Thank you so much. Your piece, um, you know, quite interesting that you made, you know, some references to, okay, we have issues with policy credibility. Um, you also believe that it's important for, to have that because if we're going to uh, continue um, or curtail the free fall and the heightened concerns over the nation's ability to meet its obligations, uh, we're going to have to swallow a few bitter pills. And you outlined a, quite an interesting menu, one that you call tough menu yourself. Um, I'm going to list a few of them and then we'll try and interrogate them and get your your viewpoints on how exactly you're proposing these will help us uh, get the economy back on a steady climb and avoid having to go to the IMF. Now, one of the first things I noticed uh, was that on the e-levy, you're proposing that there should be a split between telcos and the consumers. Um, And this is under the, the, the tough menu um, and then you also said we needed to go on an expenditure diet. We'll look at that in a moment. But on the top menu, three key things I see over there. That government must work to resolve the current budget stalemate in Parliament over the e-levy. And you're proposing that there must be a split between the telcos, the telcos taking uh, a big chunk of the 
e-levy and the consumers uh, taking the other part. Um, how do you foresee this uh, working, um, you know, to, to, to bring the economy back on track? Yeah, okay. Um, thank you so much. Uh, as you have said, I've prescribed this uh, very tough, you know, menu of measures that um, I've said both uh, government and Bank of Ghana should work together, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to stabilize the economy, restore the necessary, the needed uh, investor confidence and the, the policy credibility that mm-hmm. is a bit lacking, you know, now. So, uh, you know, if you go through the list of my menu, I, I, I started by saying that the stalemate, the budget stalemate in parliament now has dented, you know, policy credibility and uh, raised concerns in the international community. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's the first thing that government should try and tackle. Okay. And I think it's the e levy that's been holding up the the, the, the budget. Mm. That's why I'm proposing, you know, some kind of compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, why don't you split it and give uh, 1%, you know, charge the, the, the telcos 1% and then uh, charge consumers 0.75%. Uh, In other words, I am trying to maintain the level that... Um, you know, government has proposed that in, I mean, the 1.75%, mm-hmm. so that they don't lose any revenue mm-hmm. as a result. So that's why I'm not even saying that we should bring the entire level down. I'm saying we can maintain the 1.75%. Because, you know, during this COVID era, there are some companies or sectors of the economy that have been booming. They have taken advantage of the, of the COVID situation, mm-hmm. you know. So telcos is one of them. You know, and this is an emergency, you know. So, I mean, in every emergency situation, you know, government has the, the discretion, you know, to impose uh, taxes on the sectors that are seen to be booming. Because that's where income is accruing to, you, you know. Consumers, there's a lot of complaint because consumers feel like the 1.75% is too much. Mm. On them, and it is, it, 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 are, people are saying that it's even it even amounts to multiple taxation. So that, th- this is something that I am proposing as a as a matter of um, a compromise. I, I don't believe that there's I can say there's any serious scientific <laughs> explanation to this. Yeah. Uh-huh. But what I'm saying is that why don't you propose this uh, for 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 Parliament and mm. uh, maybe the opposition may, may buy into this because they will say that, oh, maybe you are not overburdening consumers. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the telcos that are making you know, a lot of profit, you are asking them to pay more. So but this is just a proposal. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and uh, I mean, this proposal by inference and this uh, emphasis mine is that um, the e-levy is definitely creating a hole in our budget. Oh, the so- absence of the e-levy. Yes, certainly. It's, it's about this year. It's about seven billion, you know, Ghana CDs, mm-hmm. and in the subsequent years, it it increases, you know, progressively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven billion Ghana CDs 
uh, is about one billion dollars. To me, it's not it's not a lot because I've also and I maybe we'll go on to discuss the other tax proposals that I've I've also mm -hmm. made mm, the measures. Yeah. So to me, and I've done a lot of work in this area, and we have consistently said that there are several loopholes in our tax system that if they were plugged, you know, um, we, 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 we make a lot of losses there and, 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 and if they were plugged, we will be able to raise our tax uh, to GDP ratio to something like 20%. We are now doing just about 12%, mm -hmm. okay? So to me, uh, if these other measures were, were being taken, I don't think that even the E-Levy will be will be will be will be necessary but of course some of them will take time to implement mm -hmm. and i have also seen that in the budget statement of 2022 the minister has indicated that he's going to take some of these measures you know such i mean such as uh, property taxes the exemptions and so on okay mm -hmm. uh, so and and they will take time you know to yield, yield results so i can understand why you know in the in the interim something like a e-levy you, you know will be required okay you know especially to do the the, the things that they, they said they want to i mean the programs yeah. they want to carry on the projects and so on so um i'll say that you know maybe we should we should keep the e-levy but i'm i'm rather I'm suggesting a way of, uh, I mean, some kind of compromise mm -hmm. so that we don't put it all on consumers. On consumers, okay. Uh -huh. Right. Um, so that's a fair point. Um, let's look at some of the proposals you made mm. uh, with regards to taxation. Now, um, government relies heavily on tax, um, royalties, uh, revenue from uh, trade, uh, exports of our raw materials. Uh, but the tax was something you singled out and, and also mentioned uh, that maybe we should look at a 10% windfall tax on excess profit uh, of mining companies or oil companies, um, banks as well as telcos. Uh, this segregated uh, corporation tax or corporate tax uh, regime you're proposing, um, wouldn't that have an adverse effect on our, our attractiveness to investors? Yeah, you know, that's, you know, the, the argument that's always, you know, always made, mm. you know, that you want to keep corporate taxes, you know, low so that you can attract investors. And so our corporate tax is uh, on average about 25%. That's right. Um, well, maybe we need to do a comparative study, you know, to see, you know, the level of corporate taxes in our, in um peer countries and so mm -hmm. on but the point we are making is that the government has uh, the discretion to segregate it um i mean corporate tax it doesn't have to be just a uniform rate you see because every country wants to encourage you know their domestic industries to uh, you know flourish mm -hmm. it's, it's done everywhere so discriminating among the corporates in terms of um, you know, uh, imposing this corporate tax, it's not something that um, governments shouldn't contemplate. So what I'm saying here is that we can, the indi indigenous uh, companies, most of which are even small and medium scale enterprises, and they are growing up. Well, we know, we, we should give them more incentive, 
you know, uh, than the multinational corporations, uh, you know, who are well established and we know that they are making a lot of profits. Okay. Now, the, the, the idea that uh, the suggestion that uh, if you raise corporate tax, uh, you know, you scare away investors and uh, I don't, I don't think uh, if if uh, we, if uh, their business is profitable as mm-hmm. we know it is, they, 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 I'm sure they will stay. <laughs> you see, mm-hmm. maybe I, I think the the reluctance to do this. When I see the minister from the minister's point of view, I, I think he's coming from a corporate background. Is is so maybe he has uh, some kind of. Um, you know, soft uh, spot for the corporate sector. Mm. And then, of course, he knows that you need to give corporates uh, incentives, you know, to, to invest more and do their business. But here I am suggesting that, um, you know, we could have a, a range of uh, corporate tax rates, give more incentive to our local industries to help them to grow. And then you, you scale it up uh, you know, over the the spectrum. I mm. mean, and then increase it uh, for the multinationals, which we know are making a lot of profit. Yeah, you know, uh, in terms of comparative studies, just quote looking at just the nominal figures of uh, uh, corporate tax rate uh, according to tradingeconomics.com. Um, so Ghana is twenty five percent. The highest on the continent is thirty five. That's uh, in Chad, in Guinea, um, and then in Botswana, and uh, sorry, Sudan and Zambia. Um, the South Africa is at twenty-eight percent. Mm-hmm. Um, Republic of Congo is at twenty-eight. Mozambique at thirty-two. Morocco is at thirty-one. Mauritius is, I think, coming in a, with the lowest at fifteen percent. Uh, I think Tunisia has also dropped from uh, 25 to 15. Now, uh, help us appreciate what this would mean to shoring up and, and giving the economy some boost if we did this segregated. And, and coupled with that was a proposal to also um, swiftly pass the tax exemption bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do we need a bill to be able to stop exemptions if it's hurting us? Well, I think I think the exemptions to answer that question first. Mm-hmm. I think they are um, giving out. The, I think there's a bill or an act, a law of some sort. Mm-hmm. You know, guiding the the way exemptions are given. Right. I believe so, and that's the the law that they want to sort of amend it to to maybe streamline. I, I haven't read the contents of the. The, the bill that has been submitted to parliament. That's right. But do you know that it's been before parliament for a very long time. So I, I believe since 2019 or something. Mm-hmm. You know, and this was a time that uh, when it submitted first, government had the ma- I mean majority in parliament. They could have used their majority to pass it. Mm-hmm. Now that didn't happen, and, and then now we have submitted it, uh, you know, to a parliament that is, you know, uh, almost a. Uh, a hung parliament, mm-hmm. so it's probably going to be even, you know, and and then I can see that there's there are vested interests, political interests, because if you look at those who benefit from exemptions, it's not just uh, you know companies that we want to attract uh, into the country. Um, 
of course you have some ngos also benefiting but you have private individuals uh, you know that when parliamentarians uh, import cars into this country they don't put in, pay any duty on it mm. oh yes they don't and, and, and then there are other private individuals on the list and then it's subject to considerable abuse i remember i think 2019 the the, the president's uh, sona address state of the nation address yeah. he himself lamented about the losses through the, that the country incurs uh, through these uh, the, the, the exemptions and i remember he quoted a figure then uh, around six billion you know ghana cities mm -hmm. i'm sure you know by this time it's even gone up further so the losses there could be as much as what we are even trying to raise through the the e-levy currently okay so that that that, that is that uh, and then the segregation of uh, corporate yeah I, i'm i'm happy that um, you managed to get us um, this uh, comparative uh, rates and uh, and uh, you could see that most of them charge higher corporate rates than, than Ghana. Mm -hmm. It's only the two northern African countries. I think Tunisia. Well, there's Tunisia and, and uh, the Indian Ocean island of Mauritius. And then did you also say Morocco? Uh, Morocco is actually higher. It's oh, at okay. 31. Okay. So, so Mauritius, Mauritius so is at 15. And then Tunisia. And then Tunisia is at uh, 15 as okay. well. But uh, the, the rest are okay. in the same region and some are quite higher. Yeah. Higher than the 25, our 25 percent. That's right. Yeah. So, well, if we were in normal times, and then also if our tax collection, I mean, as a ratio of GDP, were sufficiently high, we, I will not go here. I will not go there. You know, because it is good that we are maybe more competitive than others. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have lower tax rates you become more competitive there's no question about that true yeah but when you are struggling you know to raise revenue okay um you don't put it all on consumers or or, or even um income uh, personal income tax mm -hmm. okay personal income tax you know or uh, indirect taxes consumption taxes mm -hmm. you know a vat and so on we should raise a lot more tax from our corporates also you, know, you see, that's the, that's the point I'm making. Maybe we need to go to the into the tax structure and see how much uh, of uh, the tax revenue we derive from personal income tax and then the indirect taxes, uh, VAT and so, and then compare that with what we get from corporate taxes. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Then we can see, you know, whether there's a, a proper balance or, or, or not. Mm. You know, but now, you see, we are in a, a crisis so this some of these measures are meant to address the crisis um they could be uh, done on a temporary basis so you set a sunset clause on all of these exactly and then when we are out of this crisis um then of course you can reset them go back to to to, to normal normal rates mm. you know because the the international community is looking for signals from government mm -hmm. that says we we recognize that there's a crisis and we 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 think we are competent to do th something about it and this is what we are doing about it the, you know you need to build that kind of uh, credibility policy credibility from from within that's what we are arguing if you are able to do that but this need to need, you need to take very bold measures 
to assure the international community. If you are able to do that, then you don't need IMF. <laughs> you know, IMF, you, you, you go to them only if you are not prepared to take those bold measures. And, and then they will impose them on you anyway. Mm. I mean, if we were to go to IMF today, uh, yeah. these are things you think they will be, I mean, from your extensive y yes. um, work at the IMF, yes. you think these are some of the things that yes, we'll be doing? because I've worked with the IMF for a very long time, uh, for 10 years. And in the IMF, you know, I was not with the staff. I was in the executive director's office. I mean, represent the executive director who represents Ghana along with other other countries. Mm -hmm. So it's like we receive reports from the staff mm -hmm. who go to more than 180 member countries. And when they bring their reports, we critique those reports. Okay? So I know the way they design their programs. I mean, financial programs for any country that goes to them for financial assistance. And these are the, the key elements, you know. So if you can, you know, you'll be bold enough to, to take these measures. It, it needs discipline, you know. And if you can't do it, then, of course, you run to the IMF and they will, they will impose it on you. The IMF then will serve as some kind of external anchor mm -hmm. uh -huh, to anchor the economy. But you can generate that anchor internally. <laughs> you, you know, this is this is what I'm proposing. Interesting yeah. point. Uh, if you just tuned in, it's exactly nine o'clock, and uh, we are reviewing uh, proposals and ideas uh, proffered to help us avoid going to the IMF, and more importantly, uh, to deal with the depreciation of the CD uh, and find some reprieve for Ghanaians as for prices and cost of living. Uh, cost of living goes through the roof uh, in most cases. Um, you know, people are beginning to have to uh, reconsider uh, the idea of, uh, you know, carpooling because its prices are just uh, going up pretty much every day. You also talked about the Bank of Ghana in this. Uh, I'll come back to the, the, the executive in a moment, but I'd like for us to look at the Bank of Ghana's place in the whole monetary policy management. Uh, you're proposing that uh, the policy rate, uh, which is the rate at which banks um, um, lend each other or borrow from the, the central bank, um, to go up by about 200 basis points. So it would end up hitting about 16.5%. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, from the current 14.5. Now, there's an argument that if you did this, cost of borrowing goes up. And businesses that, because of COVID and other factors, are struggling to stay afloat will be starved of the needed cash. Uh, and, and there will possibly be a knock-on effect even for businesses that are listed uh, in, in the equities market as well. Why would you propose something like this? You see, every policy action or measure that you take, hmm, it, will, it will have, it will affect some, some sections of the economy negatively and some sections uh, positively. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the point I made is that it, Every policy measure that I've outlined here, when you take it, some sections of the economy will be affected negatively, others will be af affected positively. Right. So you look at the balance of it. We are in a situation where 
we are having unprecedented you know inflation a 15.7 percent in the, the last count in mm -hmm. january yeah um of course part of the reason it's not only ghana that that's experiencing you know high rates of inflation mm. it's, it's a global thing you know fuel prices have gone up all over the world you know other commodity prices have gone up uh, food prices have gone up and this is partly due to the disruption of uh, supply chains uh, by covid that's right you know? so part of it is uh, external externally generated but in our so how do we respond to that okay now i also believe that uh, there's there should also be interventions you know on a micro basis micro in other words food you know has become uh, a major source of the inflation mm -hmm. so what kind of interventions can we have there at this time and i and if we had a good buffer stock system in place okay this is the time for government to intervene to release some of the buffer stock you know to help stabilize the situation i understand that even the, in the west african sub-region they have uh, a sub-regional buffer stock system okay now if you don't have enough uh, domestically you can maybe apply to use some of that also mm -hmm. then when it comes to fuel again given where prices where prices have gone to uh, are still rising to and we have deregulated our system you know prices that is why you know on a almost a daily basis we are, we are seeing prices you know increase but again if we had the a good buffer system uh, you know in place like a bust that's supposed to be their their the responsibility to keep a keep a, a buffer stock in place such that it's in a in case of a, such a major shock you release some you know to cushion the system that's mm. what they do in the united states but but you see that's interesting um they could do that um because they produce the the finished goods that we import mm -hmm. and even if let's just say we have a million metric tons mm -hmm. and this crisis uh, ukraine and all the factors that are contributing to the cost of oil uh, going up does not end and you run out you will still go back to the market mm -hmm. to buy uh, so it may not necessarily be a measure that will be will give you a long lasting um positive outcome um, so would you still think that the buffer stock approach would be a way to mitigate the, the, the cost of, of rising for pricing? Again, many of these measures here are supposed to be uh, on, a, on a temporary basis okay. because you have an emergency. I'm, I'm not saying that you, you release the, the buffer stock on a, a durable or lasting basis. You can't do that. You run out. Yeah. Just like even if you come into to the foreign exchange area, for instance, Bank of Ghana, we know is has a uh, reserves of um, a little over nine billion, you know, dollars. Mm -hmm. But they can't release all of it to stabilize the the, the, the system mm -hmm. because they, they 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 may soon run out of reserves, especially at a time when you have not established the necessary policy credibility. Mm -hmm. Do you get me to back it? So when you release your reserves into the system, the speculation is still is still going on. That's right. And and, and therefore they they, it, they will just uh, take it out 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 of the country. That's why 
you know, as, as I was coming and some of the stations were calling, I said, uh, we have heard that the president says he's going to pump $2 billion into the economy to, to stabilize the CD. So, so, so I'm thinking, oh, first, where, where is it coming from? Is it because we have been told that now we don't have even access to the eurobond market again because of the policy credibility the bank of ghana has 9.9 .9 billion or some, 9 billion dollars of you so you can go in there and take two, two out but then you reduce your import your cover, import cover and, yeah. and, 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 and all those indicate but i'm sure that is why bank of ghana is not you know maybe so keen or, you know to 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 do that you see because if you need to resolve the underlying problems, the factors, mm -hmm. otherwise you will throw the two billion on the market, and within a short period of time, all of it will, will I mean, will disappear. You, you see, you can stabilize for maybe a, a few a few weeks, but 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 but, but, the, but then it will come back to bite will, even it, harder. It will come back to you know bite you harder. So, restoring policy credibility. And investor confidence eh, is, is critical. Mm. And I cannot over overemphasize that. So we were hoping that after the with the cabinet, the, the you know, president and his uh, ministers mm -hmm. were having this uh, crisis meeting, mm, mm -hmm. we were all hoping that out of the meeting, you know, a statement will be issued eh, telling us exactly the measures, comprehensive set of measures that they're going to take to build this policy credibility internally, especially if the decision has been taken that maybe it's not time yet to go to the IMF. Mm. So I, I hope that that kind of uh, it will come out. I, yes. I Thank you for listening to Assassi Podcast. Follow Assassi Radio on Twitter at Assassi Radio 995 or share your feedback via feedback at assassiradio.com.